The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. Uh, my name is Penny, and I'm the pastor here If uh, you are a guest or visitor, welcome. We're glad that you're with us this morning as we uh, come to worship. It is, it is great for me personally to be back after being away for a week with my family. Uh, just one week away can feel like an eternity uh, for me when, when I'm away from y'all. Um, so it's wonderful to see your faces and to hear your voices as we sang together and, and to, be, uh, to be able to worship with one another. And so uh, welcome. And if you are joining us, you are joining us in the midst of a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. So we've been looking at uh, these fruit that Paul uh, gives us in Galatians chapter 5. In that context, Paul lists off what we could call the fruit of the flesh. These are different vices, sins that we might struggle with, sins that, in, that are characteristic of the world around us, like enmity, strife, sexual immorality, gossip, etc., but then he contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit. He says this is the, the fruit of the flesh, but now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So he gives us this fruit of the Spirit because this is what we are to embody. This is how we are to live. Now it's important for us to consider the fruit of the Spirit because this is what is to characterize a believer. But also it's important for us to consider the fruit of the Spirit because there are oftentimes things that we value more than fruit, right? In our world, in, in our own lives, we value sometimes gifts, abilities, titles, positions of authority, right? Uh, we were talking about this in the intro to CTK class a few weeks ago, this class that we offer to people who are wanting to join the church. We were talking about church leaders and, and the characteristics that... that church leaders are to embody in 1 Timothy 3. And we made the observation that the vast majority of those, in fact, all but one of those, are about character. They're actually not about gifts and abilities. They're about character. And so, so we made that observation, but that's true not just of leaders within the church, that's true of all of us. You see, what we are to value more than gifts or abilities or position or title is fruit. And so that's why we're spending this time taking up the fruit of the Spirit, that the quality of a Christian is determined by the fruit that they bear. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fruit of goodness. And to do so, we're going to look at two primary texts, two primary passages, one in Luke chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke 6. Uh, there are also Bibles in the chairs in front of you. We'll project the passage on the screens. We're also going to look a little bit later at Romans chapter 9. But this morning we begin in Luke 6 in verse 43. And this is what Jesus says. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
And we ask that your fruit would uh, grow in our lives. And that we would be demonstrators of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That these are the things that would mark us, would characterize us. And so we pray that you would begin that work now and that you would make us people who reflect your goodness to this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Many of you know, excuse me, many of you know that one of my favorite, if not my all-time favorite literary character is Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. uh, Cole, my son, his middle name is Atticus, and it's after this wonderful character. I love Atticus Finch, right, from To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that book. If you're not, you'll read it in middle school or high school lit, I'm sure. But To Kill a Mockingbird, you remember, takes place in the 1930s in a small rural town in Alabama. And Atticus is this incredible man. He's a lawyer and he's a legislator. He's a single dad. His wife died shortly after the birth of his second child, Scout. And so he's raising these two children. And and Atticus is this incredible man of integrity, a man of great character, a man of understanding and learning and gentleness. I love this character. As an aside, AFI, the American Film Institute, actually named Atticus Finch the greatest, hit, greatest hero in American film history. So they got something right there. But, <clears throat> but regardless, there's this amazing scene in To Kill a Mockingbird. There's this amazing scene where Atticus has been called on to represent Tom Robinson. And Tom is a black man in this rural town, and he's been wrongfully accused of a heinous crime against a white woman. And Atticus, this white man, this lawyer, is called on to defend Tom. And he's facing opposition. He's facing pushback from the community around him. And so he has this conversation with his daughter, Scout. He says to her, There's been some high talk around town to the effect that I shouldn't do much about defending this man. And so Scout says, Well, if if you shouldn't be defending him, then, then why are you doing it? And Atticus responds, For a number of reasons. The main one is, if I didn't, I couldn't hold my head in town. I couldn't represent this county in the legislature. I couldn't even tell you and Jem not to do something again. So you hear what he's saying? That because of who he is, that he's this father and a lawyer, because of what he believes in, integrity and the upholding of law, that he's going to act in line with what he believes. He's going to act in line with who he is. He's going to represent all that he believes to be both good and true, even when the world opposes him. Atticus is a man of character, a man of integrity, a man of goodness. And because that's who he is in his very being, that's what comes out of him in his actions. That's what we see in this fictional character, but but what we see in this fictional character is supposed to be what we see in our own lives as well. Because the true truth about who we are, who we are in our true inner being, it, it eventually is going to come out. You see, we can mask ourselves, we can, be, we can pretend to be something that we're not, we can project an ideal that we want others to believe about us, but sooner or later, who we are is going to come out. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right, in Luke 6. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. A bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. Fruit The fruit of a tree that the tree bears is in keeping with the quality of the tree itself. Now, we know that Jesus isn't giving a horticultural lesson here, right? He's talking about us. 
It's talking about me and you and all of humanity. That if you want to know the quality of a man, if you want to know the heart of a woman, you listen to their words. You observe their actions. That's what Jesus said, right? The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. So what is good? What does goodness look like? If this is what's supposed to be coming up out of our hearts as as people of God, as, as followers of Christ, as embodiers of the fruit of the Spirit, what is goodness going to look like in our lives? Well, there's many ways that we could talk about goodness, right? Someone could be good at a sport, or, or a great musician, or, or she's good in her profession. But when the Bible speaks about goodness, it's, not, it's speaking about something much deeper than mere ability. It's talking about a quality of being, of actions that are morally virtuous. You see, goodness, biblically speaking, is a disposition that we reflect. And it's a disposition we reflect not simply for our sake, but for the sake of others. You see, goodness is something we give to others. And to see this, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. So we're going to project that. We have that. Um, You can also turn to Romans 12. But there in this passage in verses 9 through 21, the Apostle Paul bookends this section with the language of good. In verse 9, he says, Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And then he ends the section in verse 29 with, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we see it there, right? In this section, he's bookending goodness. And to tell us what goodness is, we have to look in between the bookends. You see, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to hold fast to what is good. This language is like being glued to it. We stick to goodness. So what is this goodness we stick to? Well, he tells us in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You see, goodness is expressed in giving ourselves for the sake of another. That's what these things are, right? Love, showing honor, rejoicing, prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. Like, those are things that I I don't just do for myself, that I don't just embody in my own being, but they actually flow out of us for the sake of others, right? Love, honor, rejoicing, contributing to the needs of the saints. In many ways, there's nothing actually that radical about these, are there? Is it? I mean, a life of goodness in many ways, is simply a life of Christian faith. Love, honor, contributing to the needs of the saints, rejoicing prayer. In many ways, what it means to be good is simply to serve one another, to give of ourselves for the sake of one another, to love one another, to show honor to one another, to care for one another. Goodness is about us giving ourselves to one another. In many ways, that's not very radical at all, is it? See, goodness is about giving ourselves for the people of God. But it's not just expressed in our relationship with the people of God. It's also expressed in our relationship with those outside of God's people. 
with even non-believers or even those we might call our enemies. And this is where it actually starts to get a little more radical, a little bit more unworldly. Because Paul says in verses 14 through 21, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, as I was reading these verses, I was reminded of the true story about Dirk Willems. Dirk Willems was an Anabaptist in the 1500s. And he had been arrested and condemned to die by the, by the Catholic Church in the Netherlands. And Dirk Williams, he was imprisoned and, and he was waiting his execution. And somehow, miraculously, he escaped and he fled. And as he fled from his captors, one of the guards noticed that he had escaped and fled after him. And Willems, as he's trying to escape, he's running through woods or marsh or, or whatever it might be. It was in the middle of winter. He came across a body of water a pond or a river, and, the, and the, the, the water had frozen over. And so Willems, very carefully, very gently, very slowly, he starts to move across the ice-covered water. And he makes it to the other side, and he continues to flee. And the guard who's pursuing him, he comes to the same body of water, but, but he wasn't so careful, he wasn't so gentle, he didn't move quite as slowly. And he broke through the ice. And he fell into the icy water. Now, I want you to think about this. If you're Willems, right? You've been unjustly imprisoned. They want to put you to death. The guard who's chasing after you, he has fallen into water. If, if you leave him, if, if no one comes to his aid, he's stuck like he's going to die. He will die. And you will have gained your freedom. I mean, run, right? Flee. Take off. Don't look back, right? I mean, we definitely have to think about it for a second, won't we? But what did Willems do? He actually returned to the icy water. And he pulled the guard out. And he saved his life. And in so doing, he actually was rearrested. And a short time later, he was executed. He could have been away. He had his freedom. He could have fled. Why would he return? Why would he come back and save this man's life who would only imprison him again? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil. Never avenge yourselves. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Overcome evil with good. You see, friends, goodness is about blessing others, even those who are our enemies, even those we're supposed to hate. And y'all, there are a lot of people we are told to hate in this world right now. 
It just seems like every other day a new group pops up that we're supposed to oppose who are now our enemies, right? I mean, I, I could start listing them off. Christian nationalists, critical race theorists, Democrats, Republicans, the university elite, social justice activists. I mean, the list goes on, right? People on the right and people on the left and people who were not really sure where they are, right? Like, in every other day, it seems like there's a new group popping up and we're supposed to oppose them and we're supposed to hate them. And they are our enemies, right? And there is no question that the Bible speaks and says things, in fact, many things, to those groups that I mentioned and all these other groups that pop up. The Bible absolutely speaks to those things. And... As the Bible shapes our understanding of these various issues and peoples and groups, it also shapes our posture towards them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Y'all, I got to tell you, it is hard enough to bless those who annoy me. Right? And to seek the good of those who frustrate us. But to bless? To seek good? If we're honest with ourselves, at best, we're probably indifferent. But that's not what the Christian life is to be. I mean, do you remember what Jesus himself said? You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love. And who are we to love? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, seeking their good, blessing them. It actually begins with prayer. And I have to tell you, this week as I was thinking about this passage and thinking about goodness, I was very convicted. Because I have to tell you that there are issues in the world and there are issues in the larger church and there are issues in my own life and there are ideas that I oppose and perspectives that I'm against. And I have good arguments for why I oppose them and why I'm against them and why I think those people are wrong. But, but as I've sought to formulate these arguments and as I've sought to oppose those things that I oppose, I realize I have not prayed for them. Well, I've prayed for myself that I'd be right. <laughs> that I'd have clarity, that I'd have understanding, but have I prayed for them? That goodness and blessing would abound in their lives. And when we do pray, what do we pray about? Most of the time it's that they would actually see things the way I see things. (laughs) I mean, the world would be blessed if everybody just thought and acted and sounded like Penny. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No. It wouldn't. Now, what are we praying for them? Are we praying that they become more like us, or are we praying that they would become more like Jesus? That goodness and blessing would abound in their lives. You see, friends, we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what it means to seek the goodness of others. As John Stott, the Anglican theologian, put it, to repay evil for evil is to be overcome by it. To repay good for evil is to, be, is to overcome evil with good. So then the question has to be like, why would we ever do this? Because y'all, the world doesn't do this. 
right? Like, go on Twitter. You will see the world does not bless those who they oppose. (laughs) Why would we ever do this? We do it because this is what God has done for us. Right? The goodness that we give to one another and to others is minuscule compared to the goodness that God has given to us. You see, to repay evil with good is actually the way of the cross. It's the way of the cross. Apart from the cross, there is no reason we would ever seek the good of anyone. But because of the cross, goodness is what not only we have received, but is what we give. Because in the cross, goodness has been given to us. So think about this. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul has an extended section on the sin of man. And there he says things like, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we should ask ourselves, who is the they that Paul is talking about? And do you know who the they is? Who the they are? It's me. And you. And us. When Paul says, none is righteous, no, not one, he truly means none. None of us. We are all deserving of God's wrath. We are deserving of his vengeance. We were enemies who were not righteous. And how did God respond to us? With goodness. He responded with goodness. Y'all, we heard it in our assurance of pardon this morning, didn't we? Before the assurance of pardon, in Titus 3, the Apostle Paul says, We ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And now here's the assurance. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us according to his own mercy. This is who we once were, but, the buts in the Bible are beautiful, aren't they? But the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared and he saved us. You see, friends, the goodness that we are in need of and the goodness that our world is in need of and the goodness that we are to demonstrate is most demonstrated in the mercy of the cross. Christ did not repay evil with evil. He repaid our evil and rebellion with goodness. He took God's wrath that we deserved on himself, and he took God's vengeance, which should have been poured on us, on himself. Goodness is displayed in God's mercy. And so, friends, as recipients of that goodness, we're to devote ourselves to goodness, to give goodness to one another, to give goodness to our neighbor, to give goodness even to our enemies, to pursue goodness in all of our ways, because God has given goodness to us. Amen. Let's ask him to help us do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you did not leave us in our rebellion, that you did not leave us in our sin, you did not leave us as enemies to your gospel, but instead When the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, you saved us.
And so we thank you for that goodness, the goodness of the cross. And we ask that as recipients of that goodness that we would express that goodness to others, that we would love and honor, that we would seek the needs of others, that we would be people expressing goodness to neighbor, to enemy, to friend. Do this, we pray. Help us so that you would be made much of. And we pray all this in Christ's name and God's people said together, amen.